Welcome to Trust Don't Verify, the show where two of us tell a story, but only one of us is telling the truth. Uh, and this time, I promise it's me. Uh, I'm here <laughs> with my two co-hosts, Carter and Aaron. Hey, how you doing? And in that today, I'm going to be determining who's telling the truth. Yeah. And uh, well, I guess people could always play from home uh, when they just listen to us, but I, mean, I want to do this. I'm going to throw out a truth about one of these two people and uh, I'll leave it to the audience to uh, guess who, who it is. Uh, one of these guys, really good at Python. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> And the other, really the other long Python. Has a Python, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Why yeah. did you just do two truths about Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> Figure that one out for yourselves, folks. All right. So yeah, like Carter said, he's going to be the judge today. Um, so Brett and I will be telling the stories. Brett, do you have a preference on who goes first? I'm going to go second. Okay. So yes, you do. All Give right. Me some time to finish <laughs> mine up. Before okay. I go. Gotcha. Mark notes again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Weeks in a row. Okie doke. All right. Yes. Well, I will go first then. So today I am going to be telling a story of a crossover, and you'll see a theme. Mm, okay. If it's the answer to this episode's challenge you seek, why don't we begin with a crossover? And no, I'm not talking about 11-time NBA All-Star League MVP and Virginia native Allen Iverson, a.k.a. The Answer, despite the crossover reference. But we will be traveling back in time to 1991, just five years before perhaps the greatest NBA player to never win a championship was drafted. In Shinagawa City, a mall in the summer of 1991, a young boy named Haruki Murakami was enjoying his time in an arcade on a hot day when a new game caught his attention. It was a pinball machine he had never seen before, which wasn't all that out of the ordinary as pinball never really took off in Japan the way it did in America. And besides that, this was the 90s, well past the heyday of mechanized arcade games but only the beginning of the illustrious AAU basketball career of NBA superstar and Hall of Famer Allen Iverson, who won the national championship with just one year later in 1992. This game uh, that young Haruki saw, however, was a little bit different from other pinball machines that he'd seen before. You see, this was the first crossover pinball machine ever made, a collaboration between Sega and Capcom. And much like the famous AI crossover on Michael Jordan, this was only the beginning of a brand new way of playing. Not really, but it was... An interesting project. <laughs> Sega's character in this pinball machine was a little-known character called Opa Opa, which, according to the Sega wiki, is a living, egg-shaped spaceship and the protagonist of the Fantasy Zone saga. So it's a spaceship that is also a man. What the fuck? Yeah, it's great. He's a good guy. Anyway, Capcom's character contribution, alliteration, for this machine was a small blue character with a somewhat familiar name, though it would change in the not-too-distant future. That character was a small, blue, furry, anthropomorphized Aranaceidae, Critter, or Hedgehog, known as Supersonic. But despite his relatively small stature, quite like six foot O Allen Iverson, this little fellow would become a superstar in his own right, in no small part due to his insatiable desire for speed. So Haruki decided to give this new machine a go and dropped in his quarter but what I haven't mentioned to this point and what Haruki had yet to learn about himself is that he had epilepsy. And this particular machine had been developed by Stern Pinball, a Chicago-based company with a reputation for particularly over-the-top machines with lots of flashy mechanics, lights, and in particular, screens. 
something that if NBA All-Star Allen Iverson's teammates had been able to provide more consistently during his storied 2001 finals run, he might have found himself on the right side of that championship. (laughs) Well, on this particular day... In the summer of 1991, the Opa Opa supersonic pinball machine with its flash, which sounds great. Opa Opa supersonic pinball sounds like a a, a TV show that Jerry Seinfeld would have been in in China. It absolutely has the great gravitas of what Americans at least view Japanese television to be. Absolutely. Very over the top, very bright, beautiful colors, triggering seizures. Anyway... (laughs) The the excessive flashing lights and animations did, in fact, trigger a seizure in young Haruki. Fortunately for him, however, a nearby security guard noticed that, and he was transported to the hospital where he made a full recovery. But his parents, incensed at the danger that this machine had uh, imposed on their son, decided to sue the manufacturer of the machine, Stern Pinball. Unfortunately for them, however, Stern Pinball had gone under just six months after finishing the prototype that had caused their son's seizure. And this pinball machine in particular had ended up being sold by Sega and Capcom to a local arcade in Sega's headquarters city, Shinagawa, like I said before. Since the boys' parents couldn't find restitution from the pinball manufacturer themselves, they decided to sue Sega and Capcom, which would probably net them a heftier settlement anyway, as they were the owners of the IP the game itself was based on. But they ran into another roadblock. You see, in the Japanese civil court system, only one defendant can be named in a suit, similar to how each year in the NBA, only one player can be named MVP which is exactly what happened to Allen Iverson in 2001. His rookie season, I think. I may have made that up. No, 95, I think. Or 96. 96 sounds right. 69. Wow. Up <laughs> top. Up top. Up right. top. Okay. Around this time, Capcom was actually the bigger success in Japan and worldwide, due in particular to the release of Street Fighter II earlier that same year. A game which actually sold over 6 million copies. A Capcom record, which, fun fact, wouldn't be surpassed until 2005 by Resident Evil 4. Can, can I can I just... Isn't it fucking wild in Street Fighter that they, like, beat up a car? Like, you you as a person, you just beat up a car, and <laughs> that's, that's like the, a bonus. one of the missions, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like a bonus thing that you get to do is just punch and kick a car. Philadelphia Sports Championship Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> Goldbirds. That was like the second, yeah, that was Goldbirds. That was like the second, the the subtitle to that game. <laughs> um, yeah, it is kind of wild though. And it has like health. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did, it did. Uh, okay, so this financial success of Capcom's made a suit brought against them potentially more profitable than one against Sega, especially since at the time Sega was going through a bankruptcy proceeding. Therefore, the parents of Haruki decided to sue Capcom and eventually ended up winning their case for 150 million yen, which at the time was worth a little over a million dollars USD. A number which is interestingly less than half of AI's annual earnings of 2.267 million year in his first in the league. Think, do we think that's too high? We think that's too low? Aaron's flipped the script. This is, this is not how we've done this before. And I, I, because we're struggling to keep up. I'm thoroughly confused. I'm not, not in a terrible way, but I do feel I'm going to be the first loser of this GD game. Much like Allen Iverson lost every championship that he was a part Carter. of. The single one, yes. <laughs> I feel like, I feel so, because like you said before, like you, you felt like you lost when uh, the guesser guessed correctly on yours, right? And then uh, when they also guessed incorrectly, and now you feel like you're going to lose again. Uh, Why are you exposing my kink? I've obviously <laughs> set this up, so I always lose. Carter is trying to lose on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. All right, we're wrapping up here. So understandably, Capcom felt sort of shafted 
by taking all the liability for this case and filed a third-party cross-claim against Sega, alleging that they shared responsibility for the event because they were a joint partner in the pinball machine uh, venture. A judge ultimately agreed with that and ordered Sega to pay half of the settlement amount to Capcom. The only problem with this was that Sega, like I mentioned before, was going through a bankruptcy at the time, sort of like Allen Iverson in 2010 when he couldn't pay a debt to his jeweler. But unlike Allen Iverson, who has a lifelong deal with Reebok, which eventually bailed him out, Sega didn't have any fiscal safety debt. So the court appointed a neutral arbiter to settle the matter. And that arbiter decided on a transfer of several valuable physical and IP assets like buildings and characters. Most notably, one small blue hedgehog who would come to be known by his current name, Sonic the Hedgehog, now Sega's most popular and profitable character, who shares one undeniable trait with the Hampton, Virginia native Allen Iverson, an unquenchable need for speed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think that in the modern era is the right thing to say because I don't know what AI has been up to, but I refuse to slander him. Very fast. He's fast in every way. He had a 4-340. He ran out of money really fast. <laughs> he made the money back really fast. He invented ChatGPT, I think. He did, yeah. He's a um, neural, deep, deep neural network and um, yeah. LLM, limited language model. I think it's... A- a uh, large language model. I think it's limited. The exact opposite. I think it means limited. <laughs> yeah. Like a limited liability model. Mm. I think that's what it means. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 100% right, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog and Alan Iverson, parallel paths to glory. Also, both have great shoes, I think. Uh, as yes. Well. In fact, in fact, yeah, and AI, controversially, the Reebok deal as opposed to Nike, like, like uh, Jordan before him. All right, fine. All right, let's see. All right, thank you for that, Aaron. I think that you guys are purposely kind of fucking me on this, and I, I do, I do feel that that was just every, a fun little, that was just a fun little gimmick. Everyone has ratcheted up how hard these are. Well, there's nothing hard about that. The only thing that I changed about it was I threw in like eight references to famed, acclaimed, all-star MVP basketball player and Virginia native Allen Iverson. Right. What do you got for me? Look, first of all, I feel I got the worst angle. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm so flustered. I got the worst angle on my laptop. I don't even know. I mean, you were kind enough to give me this mic. I have mixed feelings because I hope the audience listened to the first two episodes, but I also hope that they just jumped in here because this mic quality is so much better now for me, I hope. All thanks to Carter. Carter, this sick fuck bought me a microphone as a surprise. Let it be shown. Or no, actually, let it be known. Let the record show. <laughs> let the record show and let it be known um, that Brett constantly buys me thoughtful gifts and I constantly buy him Chipotle gift cards. So uh, even the score. <laughs> we were actually eating when when I, I when the microphone came and uh, I reached out and then I came and then I reached out to Carter and I thanked him. And then I came. And he came. He thanked him, all right. He reached around to me. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually eating Chipotle at that very moment. So the Chipotle gift cards always appreciated. They're getting used. It was truly my pleasure. And then buying you that mic was my net profit. I won't go too far into the details, but <laughs> not at liberty to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> On, ongoing litigation, but now we have mics for everybody for forever. So let's just say, let's just say Cardo always comes out ahead. <laughs> Except when I lose later this episode. Brett, kick it off. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I need to hear it. Here are your nominees. Horizon Zero Dawn. 
Persona 5, Players Unknown's Battlegrounds, <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. And the award goes to Breath of the Wild. 2017 saw Nintendo smash hit Breath of the Wild take home three out of the six The Game Awards it was nominated for. The awards themselves seem as if they were at least partially inspired by famous angular video game vixen Laura Croft and her, quote, unfeasibly large knockers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a quote, folks. <laughs> that, that is a quote from the developer, the designer of Laura Croft. Uh, that is a direct quote. Okay, okay. <laughs> the awards look akin to her if she had the body of a Cybertruck as well. It's worth looking up. It's this, this weird uh, intersection. However, the statues are Wait, actually... Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're saying that the video game award, the physical trophy itself, yes. is an anamorph, starting at Laura Croft from the original Tomb Raider yes. and ending at the Cybertruck. It'd be the, like the third or the fourth anamorph in the middle. Exactly, exactly. Okay, good to know. Yeah. And you got to love those books too. That little, uh, at the bottom, like they, they had the, you could do like the flip animation. It's yes. like, in yeah, one it's of the a flip book. It's just great. I never read a single one of those Animorph books. Me neither. Something. Okay. Did anyone ever read them? I, I flipped them. the pages at the Scholastic Book Fair. That's what I did. That's what, the only time I saw them was at the Scholastic Book Fair, but I never bought one. No, I always bought books on roller coasters and frogs or something. Like a Corvette poster or something like that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Dodge right. Viper, but same thing. Stealth bomber. I feel like I got a stealth bomber poster. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I love the Air Force. I, I always got the bookmarks because that's pretty much all I could afford. I, I mean, I, I never. We had get it. Carter's there. poor. Carter grew up poor. Thanks, Carter. I just never knew when the book fair was. <laughs> Carter spent his lunch money on bookmarks. He came home starving. <laughs> you you got to come back with something, Mama, Papa. I am studious. Can I have? Can I have money for the book fair, please? Nay. <laughs> Spend your gruel money. <laughs> Spare me but a pence. However, the statues are actually supposed to depict, quote, an angel rising to the heavens, pursuing great heights out of the digital blocks of the land. End quote. With rave reviews and over 30 million copies sold, Breath of the Wild was a breath of fresh air for the franchise and much like its aforementioned apt accolade, rose to the heavens. But we can't talk about the franchise's rise without also discussing the lows from whence it rose. Is this a poem? Is this a poem? There's all sorts of alliteration and rhymes in this. I, I don't see it. I, I don't hear it. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I get it. Brett's gimmick is a poem. My gimmick was Alan Iverson. All right. All right. <laughs> Who, who was James Joyce? Was J James Joyce was like an author, right? Yeah, I think so. I heard that. Uh, Are you saying you're the James Joyce of our generation? Mm, well, let me let me tell you this first, and then I'll decide whether or not. To <laughs> okay. Say I heard that he had like a God. I don't even want it. I heard he had like a flatulence kink, and that he there's a lot of letters of him. <laughs> writing to women that he wanted to fuck the farts out of them. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. I, I, I heard this. Easier said than done, James. Yeah. You bring up an interesting point that back in the day, if you wanted to sex to somebody, you 
first off, had to write the hard body letter. And second off, you really didn't get any immediate feedback if they were feeling it <laughs> or not. So you might send two or three letters before you realize that they are not into that shit. Well, and by the time they respond back, you probably already, you know, done what you were writing for in the first place. You're probably not as interested. You might be edging. You might be edging for two to three months at a time. God damn. Summon the Pony Express. <laughs> I, I ride with this letter. I could. You could just take it to her and hand it to her and be like, I'll wait. The Louis C.K. method. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Speaking of which, I got to go, uh, what are my plants? Uh, oh, oh. Was that what he told those women? No, he. Ma- I think he masturbated into a plant uh, Ew. in front of them. Yeah. Ew. Composting. It's true. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, I am the James Joyce of this generation. <laughs> a Triforce of Trash. A trilogy so tragic, it's been struck from the Wikipedia page for the franchise's official release timeline. This is The Legend of Zelda, colon, The Legend of Zelda Compact Disc Interactive. Our story begins in the year 1989, a year in which the Berlin Wall falls, the first version of Microsoft Office is released, the World Wide Web was invented, and the Seinfeld Chronicles premiered. (laughs) Fantastic. Why do you say Seinfeld like that? Sein dash Feld. Because I was about to mispronounce it. I think I was going to say Seinfeld or... (laughs) Seinfeld Chronicles of Riddles something? Chronicles of Riddles? Wait. Oh, God. Can I take that again? You mean an anagram? Can can we edit that? Yeah. You can edit all of it. Yeah. Can we just take all of this out? Look, (laughs) look. I'm just, I'm fucked up right now, okay? Uh, we, we got back late last night. My, this sucks. You're doing uh, great, dude. You sound fine. I got the worst angle every time I look up. The I angle's just, fine, dude. It's the same ankle as the last time. <laughs> the ankle's exactly the same. <laughs> Carter, am I tripping? This is the same angle. He looks good. He sounds good. But in the midst of all of this, Nintendo was pushing the envelope. The Game Boy, retailing for $220 when adjusted for inflation, made its debut to mixed reception. It earned praise for its battery life and library, but criticism for its price point and lack of backlight, which I somehow got two of those from other people, maybe adults, when I think back and find it kind of weird that they were playing video games, just kind of hard to picture your dad playing video games or something. Regardless, this NES and Game & Watch hybrid became a huge hit, quickly outselling its competitors and cementing itself in the cultural lexicon. And during this time, Nintendo was partnering with electronics giant Sony to cook up another hybrid hit, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Compact Disc Read-Only Memory, also known as the Super NES CD-ROM, also known as the Nintendo PlayStation. Sony unveiled a prototype of this combo cartridge and compact disc console at the 1991 console. Yeah, okay, all right, okay. No, you're fine. We got you. Don't hear, but... Um, (laughs) I just don't hear it. At the 1991 Consumer Electronics Show on Friday, May 31st. However, on Saturday, at the same conference, Nintendo announced it was pulling out of the joint venture in favor of a new deal with Sony competitor Philips. Mere months after my dad didn't pull out of my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Another cultural moment. A touchstone moment, as they say. Touchstone moment, correct. This shocked, humiliated, and infuriated Sony CEO 
leading him to seek vengeance by developing the PlayStation we know today. And that's true. The um, Classic callback. You can't just say that's true in the middle of your story. <laughs> you can't just keep saying that things are true. If I had known we could say things are true, I would have said that like all the time in my story. Under the new agreement with Philips, Nintendo got to have a greater share of royalties, which was a, a big part of them breaking the deal with Sony. And this is Philips like the light bulb maker, right? Like the light bulb. But that is the right. only thing that I knew about Philips as well, is that they make light bulbs. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, the, screw, the screwdriver. Yeah, they, the head. Screwdriver head. They make all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy they modeled the the Phillips uh, screwdriver head on, he, crazy looking guy, man. Real freak of nature. He had an awful life. Especially when they cast that big metal die on his head. It's like, we should just make all the fucking screws. Just hold still, dude. Just Wait, hold on a second, you freak. And now he's a hero. And now he's dead. He wasn't a hero until well after his death. Because the die kills him, actually. They dropped it on him. And when it molded <laughs> yeah. around his freak head, they said, holy <laughs> they, shit. Well, it wasn't even a die. It was just like a piece of, like, Slightly soft, like aluminum. Well, yeah, they, they, they. He was in well, a manufacturing plant. They loaded the flies to him in the manufacturing plant where he had employment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I heard uh, that that scene in Empire Strikes Back when they dropped that carbonite on uh, Han Solo. I heard that was inspired by by that. George Lucas took a lot of inspiration from what happened by Mister Phillips. Phillips. The death, Mr. the death of Phillips' head. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the birth of Phillips' head. He worked at a screwdriver shop. That's manufacturing. Right. Can you believe it? But they only made flatheads. They only made flatheads. Said, so, damn, if only we had some way to keep the screwdriver in the screw. They immortalized him. And Phillips said, hey, check this out. And then he died. And they trapped his soul in the very fabric of that, that manufacturing industry. And a billionaire tycoon went on to monopolize the entire industry for hundreds of years. Like, I feel bad about that we're laughing about this, but because it is pretty fucked up what happened to him. But uh... <laughs> yeah, poor Philip. Yeah. Poor guy. So Nintendo got a greater share of the royalties and Philips was granted the right to use some of Nintendo's characters in video games for its own flailing multimedia system, the CDI. So Philips began developing a disc peripheral for the Super Nintendo, but Sega beat Nintendo to market in late 1992 with the Sega CD which retailed for $646 when adjusted for inflation. And it just struggled. Only one year later, the sales were stalling in two of its major markets, which were Japan and the United States. Um, and it spooked Nintendo enough that it prompted them to prove their pullout game was still strong by pulling out of the deal with Philips. Unlike my dad's uh, pullout game. Very notoriously weak. Notoriously weak. <laughs> Renowned for it. But Philips wasn't finna go out like that and move forward with their plans. That's what they said. <laughs> that was in the official oh, press that, release. Look, I know I say this and, oh, we, we joke about it, we joke about it. That is true. They did, they did say that at the time. <laughs> we ain't finna go out like yeah, this. There was an official press release. <laughs> so the CDI wasn't designed as a pure gaming console. It was like a combination uh, CD player. It's like this uh, crossover system. Um, that can also play disc-based video games. Um, it was a very popular edutainment console. Um, but yeah, so it, when it was released, it shipped with a standard TV remote that had a joystick in the middle. And that's how you could play games in addition to just using it. What was this called? The CDI is, is the name of the, the, the system. 
And so Philips hired a third party to develop two Zelda games simultaneously that leveraged all of the CDI's features with a budget of $1.2 million when adjusted for inflation in 12 months, which comes out to a year when adjusted for inflation. (laughs) (laughs) And the developer hired a Russian animation crew for the cutscenes of the game and actors from a community theater to provide voices for the characters. I mean, the budget was only $1.2 million, right? Across two games. I know. That's adjusted for inflation, too. Adjusted like, for inflation. I'm like, I don't know that you could make like a pixel art game for a million dollars and release it on Steam Greenlight. Yeah, they're doing this simultaneously. Uh, so they, they use for them. Yeah. Uh, community theater actors for the voiceover. And uh, according to the titular female actor who played Princess Zelda... A lot of it was improvised. So they just improvised a lot of the dialogue for the game. However, these two games were decidedly miles above the third entry in the trilogy, which replaced traditional animation with live action cutscenes, which replaced actors with people from around the office. <laughs> and replaced the development team with just one guy. There was one guy who built the entire third game by himself, <laughs> and he replaced a lot of the, uh, what do you call, like the background uh, of the game. So instead of like having these, um, you know, uh, designed like maps and whatever, they used images from some of the people around the office from their vacations. So like the layout of the map that you walk across, it's like it's a, it's like a mix of uh, Zelda in fucking Miami Beach. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that. There was aerial shots of Hawaii taken from a helicopter, uh, because the 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 jump from the second one to the third one was like. Do you ever play those um, Area Fifty One arcade games where you go and you've got like the guns that are connected yeah. to the and you got to shoot off screen? Yeah, down. I'm thinking more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Jurassic Park and stuff like that. Or there's a Resident Evil one too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, reload. And somehow just right. shooting off the screen like reloads. Yes. Because uh, that's how you reload a gun. Um, I'm pretty sure. No, I, I think that's right. But yeah, so they, they replaced like normal video game kind of um, design at the time with this weird 3D uh, version instead. Um, but the game was just panned. It's so awful that they don't even acknowledge it from Nintendo's side. Uh, there's also a Hotel Mario game that was released, uh, don't acknowledge that either. And the Philips CDI shuts down production, uh, I think a year or two later. Um, but we've come a long way. Tears of the Kingdom just released, not not to timestamp us, like a month ago. Fantastic. So thank goodness the relationship between Philips and Nintendo was limited to just these weird three uh, games uh, because Nintendo has released hit after hit with these Zelda game. So think a lot Four of games, right? Didn't you say there was a Mario game too? Yeah. W- with the Mario game. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. three, yeah. three Zelda games, three, gotcha. three Zelda games. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But, uh, the trilogy, uh, the, the trilogy is, is bad. I mean, it's, it's really, really bad. It, it feels like something that was, um, like a parody, like a community theater <laughs> put together a game. Okay. Let's take a break and then I'll come back and give my thoughts on this. And we're back. So 
I have to legitimately say, I have no idea who is lying and who is telling the truth. I thought 100% for sure uh, that Aaron was lying and his story made no sense of the origins of Sonic or whatever that egg being pinball game spaceship person was. Opa, Opa. Opa, Opa. (laughs) And then Brett comes out of nowhere with this cockamamie tale about a futuristic retro compact disc player with a remote that has a joystick. And that's simply it. I, I joked last week and all all throughout this episode that I was going to be the first person to lose, but I thought for sure being on the other side, two times writing these, like it has to be easy to determine who the truth teller is and who the liar is. I don't know if you all felt this when you were guessing, but I actually legitimately am going to have to 50, 50 this. Um, Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Indeed. Wow. Can I find a friend? No. You can, but not either of us, because we know. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no. Oh, God. I think... Is that who wants to be a millionaire? Yes, it was. I, I think it was. It sounded right to me. I think, Aaron, you are telling the truth. Wow. I am not. No! (laughs) I made mine up completely. Oh, no. Although I will say all the Allen Iverson facts were 100% true. At least once Brett corrected me on that one. Oh, no. I was thinking, oh, fuck my life. I was thinking for sure, for sure, Aaron was lying. I was like, this is easy. Until Brett comes out of nowhere with four video games that I was certain that I would have heard about just for how bad they sound. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Was was the level of detail that Brett offered a red flag to you? Because it seemed to me like Brett went off, respectfully, on a couple of tangents about his topic, about details about his topic that didn't necessarily seem hyper-relevant, like the Russian crew and the community theater folks. Did that seem like a red flag to you? Is that part of why you thought he was he was not telling the truth? No, I, I will say that it sounded so crazy. The same reason I think, for the opposite reason, he picked mine. Big swing, right? His sounded so crazy, and I, you know, I play probably more video games than most people. Not that I'm obsessed or anything like that, but I frequent different forums and things that discuss video games. What's the worst video game of all time? Yeah, and lots of like YouTube video essays on esoteric sort of topics. You feel like this would have come up. I feel like absolutely I would have heard these unmentioned video games and the Zelda entries or the Mario saga, you know, these, these are never spoken of or Nintendo went a different route with Phillips, like a yeah. an electrical company, a light bulb company. And I had never heard of these. So I'd never wow. heard of them either. So when we convened to do this, he, Brett had that idea and he told me he wanted to do that. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. And so then my thought process was like, I should do something video game related. And I wanted to do, like, I, I, I've always been interested in these, like, stories about people being injured somehow while playing video games. Like, the guy who got addicted to WoW and, like, died of a blood clot sitting at his chair. Or, like, uh, Berserk, which I think was an arcade wow. game. Wow. Wow. 
Berserk, yeah, Brett is going to be the next person to die of WoW, but in a different way. Berserk, which was like an arcade game and a, and a, and a person apparently like had a panic attack playing it and died or, and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, I, could, I should do something like that. But then I also wanted to do a twist like Brett's was about IP rights and things like that. And I was like, oh, IP rights seem sort of dry and mundane. Perhaps that would be like a, a believable-ish sort of thing. Brett's was, Brett's was outlandish in a way that you think you would have heard of. Mine was outlandish in a way that I don't know that you felt like you would have heard of it. It came together to create a very hard, at least for me, yes, hopefully someone's listening and they knew right away that I am an idiot and these were easy to pick apart, but that absolutely had me stumped. I don't know where to go from here because no one's ever lost. So this is uncharted territory for us right now. What happens now? I get uh, do, I can't decide who, who goes next week. I guess we, we have to flip a coin. We, we got to flip a coin. I, I, I think that's the surest way. Okay, let um, me see if I can get Siri here. Uh, Brett, you want heads or tails? Tails never fails. Hey Siri, flip a coin. It's tails. She said it's tails. I don't know if you can read that, but it, it does say tails. Which Siri do you have that set to? What a sexy accent. <laughs> I just want to say too, like it's worth looking up the, like people playing all the way through for all of these games. What are they called? The first one is, uh, I think it's like. Oh, you can just look up Zelda CDI. Yeah. Oh, I've seen. You know what's fucked is I've seen these. I didn't know it was from a game. The animation you're talking about like this. Yes. It, it looks like weird, like if somebody were to try to draw these characters using drugs, like it's like one of those, you know, people are just making their own. Carter, you've seen these, you've seen the, these uh, drawings before. I'm positive of it. Let me copy this. Whoa, these are real? You've never seen those? I have. That's what I I'm saying. Like, especially the one, he, there's one where he's got his hand over his mouth and he's like laughing. This one. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen a couple of these. Uh, I thought they were. I thought they were from a show or something. I just sent a link to the one that I've seen before. I thought they were just purposely weird drawings yeah, people right. would do to react right. to something. Oh, no. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was from the Russian animation studio. They flew them over to, to work on this. And then by the third one, they tried using that weird 3D type of uh, animation instead and use the just people around the office for live action cutscenes, which look like shit. It, it's really wild. And I was watching gameplay footage. So you know how in the maybe like those early Zelda games, you have that square. It's like the TV basically is where you can walk around. And then if you walk yes. off, yeah, it, the like, camera pans. Yeah, the camera pans. It takes like five seconds each time you walk out of frame. It takes five seconds of load time for in the third one for the the camera to catch up to you. Um, so it's just awful. Like uh, it would take a really long time to play and, and it just looks like shit. And uh, it's funny. There, there's one line in there where Link. No, it's Zelda. Or no, yeah, it is Link. Um, Link is like talking about how he has his sword um, and you can swing it at people, but it won't hurt them. And he says, in fact, it makes them talk, uh, which I thought was pretty. So that's how you like communicate with people is you hit them with your sword. <laughs> because they couldn't program any other way to like, interact. Like press A to talk. It's like, nope, just fucking just hit them. slice their head off. A is only slice. Yeah. And it's funny. They say button one and button two. Uh, that, that's what they, the buttons are called. Button one and button two. As opposed to what they were actually. Well, they were the volume up and volume down button because it <laughs> exactly. came with a TV remote. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. No. I don't know if it was actually the volume button. So I, I don't know what up. it was. I forgot that it wasn't like a regular remote. It was yeah, it's like a TV remote with a fucking joystick in the middle of it somehow. 
And Phillips like didn't even make all of the CDI systems themselves. Like they made some of them, but then you could just they could just like license it out to people so other companies could make their own CDI systems as well. But I think they're still called Phillips in some just all like in a licensing agreement sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't wait for the Phillips CDI Soldier console surely coming out soon. I guess with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Brett is back to guessing next week based off of the coin toss results. I have officially become the first loser, as we all knew was going to happen. And I'm relegated to book report duty once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to next time. Bye, everyone. See you. Bye.